loved InSync when I was a kid. Uh huh. Like I loved InSync. McDonald's gave out these CDs. Okay. Oh. They gave out these CDs when I was a kid, and a VHS came with it as well. And the CD had two singles on it. It had Bye 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 by InSync, and it had um uh a, some really popular Britney Spears song at the time on okay. it. Okay. I think it's the one that goes oh yang 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 yang. I can't remember what it okay. is at that point, but I remember that's the beginning. Um, and I loved it. I played that song over and over again. I still have all of the CDs I had when I was a kid of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And the really embarrassing... Are they here in this apartment? Uh, the CDs? Yeah. Yeah, they're somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where my CDs How went, do you even but they play are somewhere. Them? I have a CD player. Oh. I'm old school, bro. I got that place tapes, too. Oh, wow. I, I have no tapes, but it plays them. Wow. And records. I do have a lot of records. Go uh, put your records on. Beautiful. Tell me your favorite song. Sorry, the beautiful was sarcastic. You didn't have to continue. Um, the most embarrassing thing that I was going to do, though, is I had... So, Bye 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 in the music video, okay? All of them are like marionettes. Yeah, it's cool. You know? I didn't know that until I watched the documentary. Well, they made marionette dolls of all the members. You did not. I did not have all of them. I think they made all of them. But yes, until the time, I think I got rid of it when I was like 16, I had a Justin Timberlake marionette doll in my room, and this is why when I was 11, my mom sat me down and said, it's okay if I didn't like girls. <laughs> so Yeah, I can see why now. It's all making sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I was obsessed with NSYNC. I loved them. I also love Britney Spears, though, too. I had a picture of her on the front of my scooter. So you could jack off while you rode your scooter? I was eight. I wasn't oh, jaying, I I wasn't jaying like off at eight, okay? I heard 12. No. Well, I was 12. I was 12 later, but not at the time that I had the sticker on the scooter. At some point, I was 12 for a whole year, some might even say. Um, I was not allowed to listen to secular music. And secular. <laughs> secular music. Uh-huh. And so I... Only knew, I only know the like super popular boy band songs just from like hearing them in the store. Then we had our own Christian boy bands and those I liked. That sounds awful. They were. Like the Bible boys spelled with a Z? No, plus one with a cross next to it. And then I'm trying to remember the names of Hawk Nelson, but they were more of Hawk Nelson is not a hot name. Well, they were more of a... um, Altern- I don't know what to call them. They weren't a boy band. All I remember is Skillets, not a oh, boy yeah. band. But- Newsboys, Mercy News- Me, oh my God. Jars of Clay, Oh, Audio these- Adrenaline. These are terrible names. Audio Adrenaline. I mean, they're, all, Daddy- they're all terrible names, Big actually. Big Daddy Weave. But- Wait, what? Big Daddy Weave. That's a Christian boy band name? <laughs> yeah. That, whoa, that's, that sounds like the name of a Dom Top. <laughs> I know. You know. I forgot about some of these people. I have an appointment with Big Daddy Weave on Saturday, so don't involve, oh, don't don't plan me for anything yeah. that involves sitting on Sunday. Crunch. I'm not going to be checking out their Spotify. Yeah, page this was anytime. the plus one cover. Wow, looks God, like the, I loved them. It looks like after they did that album, they all got signed up for conversion camp. Yeah, they probably did. So yeah, that was my, those were my boy band experiences. That was what I and no and no one can wonder why I'm weird now. Yeah, feel free to tell Nina how weird that is in yeah. in uh 
either her DMs or at our email, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Hey, don't and, worry. He will show it to me. Oh, I will. And welcome back, everyone, uh, to another episode of White Collars Red, Red Hands. Hands. So welcome back. Uh, we have <laughs> some we have some fun stuff to talk yeah, about I'm today. I'm excited about this week. Uh this is going to be Nina's most passionate week. I, like, it's bullshit. What, everything that happened was bullshit. It's bullshit. This guy sucks, dude. Oh, he was awful. He was awful. And for more reasons than just one, but I'm not like a justice for Lance Bass type of person. But also justice for Lance Bass. Or justice for he Lance He deserves it. Lance Bass. He's not a bad guy. You know, his real name isn't, his, he has a different first name. But Lance it, is his middle name. Wait, the last name is the I real mean, part I mean, of that? I mean, yeah. Bass is his real last name. It's his first name, like Robert? It was like James no, Lance like, Bass. Mm, we can't go, you can't go by Robert Bass. That sounds... It's... Hold on. That sounds like a guy who James, goes shopping yeah, James, at a Cabela's. He's like you, Kashan. James Lance Bass. Yeah. Great. Yep. He's 41. Whoa. Woof. His mom's a MILF. What? Why were you a looking gilf. at Lance Bass's mom? She was in the documentary I watched. Oh, okay. She's cute. If I was a 67-year-old man, I'd be like, yeah. All right. Time for smash or pass on Lance Bass's <laughs> great. Lance Bass's mom. Bass's mom. She's hotter than Justin Timberlake's mom. Oh, no. She looks like someone who would force me to go to Sunday school. She's I'm not into so it. pretty. I'm not into it. What do you How? What do you want from her? I don't know. Not this. I, <laughs> I wanted something else. All right. Well, we didn't get to introduce ourselves because we started oh, talking yeah, about Lance sorry. Bass's mom. Uh, my name is Kashan Bachador. Thanks for joining us again. Almost at the end of season two here. And I'm Nina Kern. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so boy bands, sexy moms. What are we talking about today? Drop the sexy moms. We're talking about boy bands. <laughs> These are the taglines. Yeah. Boy bands. Sexy moms and your fat uncle. What I think they called him Big Papa. I saw them say that they referred to uh, the guy we're talking about today, Lou Pearlman, as Big Papa. I worked for this. I worked at a butcher shop for a while, and um, my boss wanted us to call him, or he wanted me to call him. Well, not just me. He wanted everyone to call him Big Daddy. Yeah, see, if you are requesting people to call you Big Daddy, it's so weird. weird. If it naturally comes around, like, what's up, Big Daddy? You know, like, that, yeah. like it's kind of okay. But if He's you're like, like, call me Big Daddy Dave. If and I was like, like no. calling you into the office and being like, hey, I'd feel a lot more comfortable <laughs> if you would refer to me as Big Daddy Dave. Lou Perlman, Big Daddy Lou, Big Papa Lou, as mm-hmm. some would call him. Um, who is Lou Perlman? Because before this, I didn't know who he was. Me either. Who is he? Well, Lou Pearlman, he was born on June 19th of 1954, and he was born in Flushing, New York. Which such a sadly named town. Such a weird name. And uh, a weird named town for a weird little kid. Lou was a weird, pudgy little kid. He looked, I mean, he grew up into a weird, pudgy adult, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. he had a very short phase where he was fine looking. Like, he was still a little bit pudgy, but he was like, all right. His prime was his, like, 20s and early 30s but all right didn't last very long he was an only child which is never good for weird kids i mean kashan i mean yeah we would kashan is a weird i knew this was gonna turn into a roast session thank you so lou grew up across the street from the flushing airport and this is where so he began to be very obsessed with aviation specifically blimps I i could see that you know yeah i mean 
little little pudgy Lou Pearlman looking up the the sky, being like, "If I could fly, that'd be me." Because it's a big. I could be a big kid too. It's like a big pudgy airplane. It's yeah, like, that could be me. That could be me. And so, and to be fair, like I grew up near a Goodyear blimp hangar, and what? Okay, yeah, yeah <laughs> it did. And it was always cool to see the blimp in the sky. So he had a really good friend. Lou had a really good friend. He had a childhood friend that actually became, stayed, even though you will get into it, the relationship became strained at a couple points in their lives. It was a friendship that lasted throughout their lives. He had a friend named Alan, mm-hmm. and they would go do stuff with the blimps together. They would convince the people to help, let them help with the blimps and like untie the ropes and shit. Hey, can I touch your blimp? Hi, can I touch your blimp, We really like blimps. But Lou, from a very young age, he was always very obsessed with making money and needing money and wanting Did he grow up money. poor? Um, they, he wasn't poor, poor, but from what I could gather was he was middle class. Okay. Now, he, he was, I think, I think he never really felt like he was liked. And so I think it was a, if I make more, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, but I think it was, if I have money, people will like me. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't get friends with a personality, I'll buy them. them, Like John DuPont. Um, So he had a paper route with this guy named David and they had a great paper route. Now, this is what this legend, Lou's, Lou's story goes as follows. Allegedly, David wants out of the paper route. So he sells the paper route to Lou for $500, which is a lot lot of money money in like the 60s. This is the 60s? Yeah, because he was born in 54 and they're like kids. So it's got to be the 60s. And so um, Lou ends up scheming together this whole entire paper route that makes tons of money. He buys the paper route, the other paper route from David. Um, He... You know, he has a team of like paper deliverers and he creates a customized paper out and he, you know, goes door to door and finds out how the customers want their papers delivered. Do they want it underneath the doormat? Do they want it on the right side of their porch? And then he he claimed he made a deal with Dunkin Donuts so that people could get their brunch and their paper delivered at the same time. It's just pretty innovative for a kid. Do they also throw the brunch though? Like you know yeah, how they, right, like, right. And they throw the papers. They just pick up like a what do they serve there? Coffee and donuts. It's Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. It's just, it's just like a it's a dozen donuts. He just eats it. He eats the donuts the into porch. the window. You have like twelve donuts splatter across your window. You're like oh boom 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 boom. boom. Oh thanks. I'm so hungry. Eek, eek. Glazed donut <laughs> all over your. Uh, all over your window. But uh, his friend David says that this is bullshit and that that never happened. It's just all fake. <laughs> he said that Lou lied about it. So that will um, that will be a pattern in Lou's life. So Lou would lie a lot. And then he would lie so much that he would believe his own lies. One of the people in the documentary I was watching, she said that Lou, her dad couldn't stand Lou because he said for their whole lives he could never answer a question. He would just like answer it in a roundabout way to make you forget you ever answered asked him a question and so he would just always dodge questions and make you think he answered it by talking a lot and so this was a very um this was a pattern in his life so he told everybody because he he was jewish he told everybody that he was related to art garfunkel 
from Simon and Garfunkel. Uh-huh. And that Garfunkel would be at his bar mitzvah. Man, this is the way, like, no one cares if you know Art Garfunkel, okay? Well, if, he was big knew, back then. If you knew Paul Simon, you'd be cool. But you know Art Garfunkel? Literally the butt of the joke for every, like, not as good as the other person in the group. You know, you got to take what you can get. Like, like if someone said, oh, man, white collar on white collars, red hands, Nina Kern is the art Garfunkel. That wouldn't be a good thing for you. No, it wouldn't. But to everyone's surprise, Art Garfunkel did come to the bar mitzvah because he is first cousins with Lou Pearlman. So he was related to Art Garfunkel. Yeah, it wasn't a lie. And everybody was <laughs> shocked. He's like, do you want me to sing all the parts uh, to, to The Sound of Silence, but just me? <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. It sounds a lot better with with the harmony. Uh, yeah, he had a little <laughs> karaoke moment. Um, so, But some speculate that this is where Perlman started getting obsessed with fame and wanting you know everyone to know who he was and stuff like that. And he was always a chubby kid, and he felt like no one liked him. And he would, he would always say, one day I'm going to be rich, and people will like me. You know, I was a chubby kid, but I was never worried about being rich. Yeah, no. You know, I was very... Interested in being funny, but according to the child I work with, I'm not funny. I try to be smarter than everyone, and then I try to use comedy as a defense mechanism against people that made fun of me. There you go. Because if you found a way to joke with them, they would make fun of you less. Ah, look at Kashan being smart. I was just like, I was always just like, let me shock everybody with what I'm about to say. (laughs) You see deer piss, I see lube. Am I right? Everybody's Am I liked just now? Like, Am I liked? <laughs> <laughs> you like me now, right? That, right? I'm so shocking. I'm uh, an X Factor. Ooh. <laughs> but Lou Perlman, he went to Queens College and he studied business. So remember Lou's good friend, Alan? Oh, yeah. Lifelong friend, Alan? Well, they try to start a blimp company because they both love blimps. Of course. And they did. They did. Um, Start this blimp company. It was decently successful, but it became as far a, as a blimp company goes. Yeah, um, but it became apparent pretty quickly that Lou was doing some shady stuff with the blimp company, and the scamming really began and was started to become really apparent when his blimp company promised Jordash the jeans. They were having a party, and Lou told them, "I will have a blimp fly over your party." That has your logo on it, and everybody is just going to love it. And the person who was running the party was like, hell yes, I want that. Okay? So, he was he promised them something that, like, he couldn't produce. It was He told he them it was like... He owned a blimp company. Did they not have a blimp? They had a blimp, but it was supposed to be, like, this top-of-the-line blimp, super nice, whatever, but... He rolls out the it was fucking a, Hindenburg. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's literally what it was. <laughs> it was a shit blimp. It was 17 years old, and it ends up crashing. Just like the Hinden... It was the Hindenburg. Yeah. Yep, Lou Pearlman. Hopefully it's not too soon for a Hindenburg joke. <laughs> I've... No, it's never too... It's never too soon for a Hindenburg joke. Um, but what would happen... Is that Lou would insure the blimp and then crash it so that he could get $3 million in insurance money. Wait, are people not on the blimp? How do you crash a blimp safely? People are in the the sky. You know that? I didn't ask that question. (laughs) I don't know how you crash a blimp safely. But 
he would um, get this insurance money. And when and he when Alan would ask him about it, he told Alan that he researched too much and that it would mess up what he was trying to do. And uh, Lou Pearlman was quoted saying, I will be a bitch when I have to be a bitch. Well, God damn it, Lou. I just wish you wouldn't have to be a bitch all the time. Why do you got to be a bitch all the time? It's constantly. You're just a bitch. Well, you're just a dumbass. Um, so Alan ended up leaving the blimp company and their friendship had was tarnished from there moving forward. Um, they did kind of keep in touch, but they weren't BFFLs like they used to be. So they weren't really BFFLs then, huh? No, you can be BFFLs and then they were, have somebody. They were BFFs. FN's best friends for, for now. now. Oh. So um, after that happened, uh, Lou moves the blimp company to Orlando and he continues his blimp business. And he had a pretty booming blimp business. Um, I didn't know that blimps were in such high demand. Thank you. Um, so he ended up getting three of the biggest brands in America to advertise with his blimp, including McDonald's. And he was such a good businessman that he got the key to Orlando, got the key to the city. And he named his company Transcontinental Airlines. So he expanded from blimps to also planes. Wow. That's what he says. <laughs> and so a lot of people trusted him. And, and there was a lot of reasons. Because first of all, he had a very successful company. And then... He became a music mongrel. Mongrel? mongrel. No, a mongrel. music mongrel? No, no, mongrel. Mongrel. No, no, no. Oh, that's staying in. That's Shit. not getting cut out. You're going to say music mongrel. Oh, damn it. He's a dog in the music industry. Yeah, man. so in the 1990s, as we all know, boy bands fucking exploded. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of money in boy bands. And uh, it is said, I was too young in the 90s and too sheltered. To catch on to this craze. Your parents only let you listen to, as you quoted earlier, secular music. It was secular music. So. It's true. So I'm, I'm kind of in the dark about this, but allegedly girls loved these boy bands oh, so yeah. much that they would pass out. Man, this goes back to the Beatles where like, oh, like, yeah. like girls would like pee themselves, like screaming oh. at like the front row of a Beatles concert. You know what gets me going? Like a if a girl thing. pees herself for me. Like they, it was said Hot. that Beatles concerts smelled like urine because of that. Like Why? Seriously. Why are they peeing? Because they're like. I don't know. They're literally they're so it's like, excited. It's like that a puppy. It's like a puppy when you come home and they like they start they get like all cracked out and they're like wagging their tail and they pee a little bit. That was women at the front of Beatles concerts. So, anyways, and, and we saw this with girls and Justin Bieber too. Oh, yeah, I mean it's been a thing. Yeah, for people a long love time. to obsess over shit. The Jonas Brothers, but Hell this yeah. is before the Joe Bros. So, um, boy bands they were so popular. So at the time, boy bands were selling. A million records per week, and no one had ever seen sales like this before. So Lou Pearlman saw this, and he was like, fuck blimps. I want to be in the music industry. And Lou Pearlman, he put together some of the most successful bands at the time. And he wasn't your typical music mongol you said Mongol this time. Mongol! Like, like a it. Mongolian person. Why can't 
I say this word right? Oh, that's perfect. I hate myself. (laughs) I hate myself. Um, You know, he looks like everybody's dad. No, he looked like, uh, I said this to you earlier, he looked like fatter Philip Seymour Hoffman. He looked exactly like fat Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, seriously. Like, it's weird. Yeah, I didn't make that connection until you said it, and it's so accurate. Or, what's his name? Um, The Hot Pocket Comedian. Oh, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, or kind of like Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, he kind of, but if Jim Gaffigan shaved his beard. Yeah, and ate like a lot more Hot Pockets. <laughs> he ate all the Hot Pockets. Um, and Lou lived a very lavish lifestyle. Um, it was quoted that his house was like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to have boy band parties at his house, which wasn't weird at all. <laughs> Pillow fight, everybody. Pillow fight. Pillow fight. <laughs> um, he was like a giant kid, and this is why he did so well managing the boy bands because they related to him. This part of the this part of the whole ordeal, I don't necessarily think was a con. I really do think he he lacked a lot of um true relationships in his life. He mm-hmm. la- he had a very small family. He didn't have any siblings. He obviously had trouble making friends. Yeah. And so he just wanted the childhood that he felt was robbed from him. Yeah. I I totally think that that is part of what this yeah, Definitely is. some Michael Jackson vibes, though, which is honestly the oh. same thing with Michael Jackson, but also there was like a weird sexual element to it. Yeah, so. we'll get to that and we'll give a warning before we talk about that. But um, anyway, he was a really... When he was starting this he was a super good supporter you you know um the boy the boys in the boy band would say that he would always say you're gonna be huge kid you're gonna be huge and he recruited in orlando because of all the talent that's at the theme parks are they are they employing a lot of children at the theme parks well so that that was a little strange but some of them were in their 20s oh they were boy bands but they were in their early 20s or their late teens so you have to look young yeah you just have to look young Exactly. Um, he made his fortune in aviation. And then he, the reason he got really got into the music industry was not because he, not only because of how much money he saw that it was making, but he was also leasing his private jets to rock stars. And so Lou realized that boy bands were, was where, was where the money was at. And he went into that business. So he is the mastermind between none other than drum roll, please. Backstreet Boys and Insane. Oh yeah, the two biggest boy bands of all time. Of all probably. time, Lou Pearlman put these boy bands together, which is kind of crazy. I did not know that before this podcast. Me no, I didn't know that yeah. they were like owned by the same person. Um, Lou was very, you know, Lou was um, quoted at the time as being very generous. Um, his one friend said that she was late to a job interview and couldn't get there, and he just sent a helicopter to her to fly her to the interview because she was late i'm not going to a place with a helipad lou i don't what do you think i'm going to a hospital i'm going to a i'm going to a financial she's like i'm going to the footlocker like you're gonna fly me up to the footlocker they they asked her at the interview they're like how are you gonna get here and she's like i don't know and they're like well how'd you get here today and she's like in a helicopter and they didn't believe her nice as like i wouldn't believe her either either. don't be stupid I'd be like, ha ha, you're not funny. Um, and Lou would, what he would do was he would put these boy bands together and then he would put them up in a house so they would have their own house so that they didn't have to work and they could just focus on car- their careers. Um, you know, it's almost, uh, you can compare it to like a boot camp type of situation. This is like what they do in like uh, Japan, like how they make 
like uh, J-pop like mm-hmm. bands is that they literally like recruit people at a young age, mm-hmm. like twelve, and then they they put you in a boarding house and they give you singing lessons, and you're literally yeah. it's like a school where you're hardcore trained to yes. be a pop star, and that's all you do. Yep, yep, and that's basically what they were. That's what Insync and the Backstreet Boys did. Um, they rehearsed for eight to six to eight hours a day in a warehouse with no AC in Florida. Wasn't that nice of them? They had to stay trim. They were sweating out yes, all that extra they were. water weight. But, you know, the guys have really good memories from this time. They were like a big happy family. And they said, you know, they would look at Lou and look at his lifestyle and look at all these like amazing things he had. And he was like the poster child of what life could be if you worked hard enough. Um, So... Lou would spend millions of dollars to promote the bands. And when, so Disney ended up showing an in sync special. And after they did an in sync special, they just blew the fuck oh, up. That was probably because Justin Timberlake was in the Mickey Mouse Club back yeah. when he was a kid. So well, he, uh, he had ties to Disney. Well, yes, he did. But the Backstreet Boys were also offered to do a Disney special and they didn't do it. And they saw how much. I don't know why they didn't yeah. do it. I don't know why they Bad never choice, said why okay. it was stupid. Um, and when they didn't do the Disney special and they saw how helpful it was for NSYNC, they were mad as fuck. So, and Lou was managing both of these bands. So, and it started to become a problem. Yeah. So he ended up pitting the bands against each other to form competition. The duel of the boy bands. Yeah. So Lance Bass says that he was afraid of the Backstreet Boys because they were he was worried they'd yell at him. All right. All right, bud. I'm like, like uh, I mean, he was young. Gonna, they're going to yell at you? Yeah. I was When he said that, he's like, I was just afraid to be in the room with him. I thought they were going to yell at me. They're I'm not like, going to put soap in a sock and beat you like in Full Metal Jacket, dude. <laughs> right? They, they just might say like, you, you fucking guys, suck. Your musical sucks. You guys don't even know how to harmonize. Yeah, like I don't <laughs> like, know. What are they gonna do? But by pitting but when you pit it they pit the boy when you pit the boys against each other, they it raised the competition and they both bands were working harder and harder and harder and harder because they were like Yeah, they're all we trying, gotta, to, they're both trying each to one other. up. Yeah. And so this is when Lou was like, you know what? I'm gonna make an empire. And he started adding more bands. To this, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and you know, I don't know, but I did. I was not on a team. I was not Team Backstreet or Team NSYNC. I did know, even though I wasn't involved in that culture, I did know that you liked one or the other. You didn't like both. Oh, I it guess wasn't unless normal. you were Kashan. If I think if you were a real fan, you didn't like both. Okay. You liked one or the other. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to listen to them. 20 years later, getting called out for being a fake fan of yeah, boy bands. Yeah, you're a poser, Kashan. <laughs> Great. They were like the original, they were the original Team Edward and Team Jacob. So, this is when NSYNC was like, hey, something weird is going on. So, Lou takes NSYNC to this big dinner at Laurie's, which is a really expensive steakhouse in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I also didn't know until I watched the documentary that that's where the, like Laurie's salt that you see at the grocery store? Yeah, of course. Came from? I didn't know. Yeah, it's a steak seasoning salt that they use. I didn't know. All right. I didn't know. So he takes them to Laurie's for this check pre- presentation. And Lou has been hype, hyping them up, hyping them up. Like, oh, this is going to be so much money. Like, blah, 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 blah. And so they were all, like, expecting just a crazy amount of money. Because they really hadn't been getting any payouts from this, from, you know. They've been working for a really long time and really haven't been getting any money. Yeah. And so they had been touring for two years straight without a day off, and they had sold 10 million records at this point. 
and they haven't gotten any sort of payout. So they're all excited. They each have their own check and they open the check. Guess how much they, guess how much the check was for? It was just some Chuck E. Cheese coupons. It was. Buy two pizzas, get one free, and uh, Chester Entertainment Cheese, that's the E in Chuck E. Cheese, will oh, give you a foot that. rub in the back room if you're nice enough. Ooh. In costume? Yes. Because out of costume, he's just a sweaty guy named Dave <laughs> who has no life prospects. He has to be wearing the costume to be Chester Entertainment Cheese. That's true. I didn't know that his middle name was Entertainment. Yeah, that's the E. His middle name is Entertainment. Okay, anyways. <laughs> they only got $10,000 from these checks. A little more than a Chuck E. Cheese. A little care. bit more. They were <laughs> selling. But, like, it's it's bullshit because they were selling out arenas. They weren't getting paid. And they were making less than minimum wage. They were working, like, 18 hours today, a, a day. And what Lou did, he was making sure they worked so much that they were worn out and that they wouldn't read their contracts. My God. So they just were signing. And here was the other thing, too. You know, when they signed for on for these boy bands, he picked young, impressionable people whose families really hadn't been in the industry very long. Now, Justin Timberlake aside, they really didn't understand these contracts and like what was really going on in these contracts. And they just signed them. And they didn't really understand what was happening yeah, in them. They didn't and, understand what like a standard contract in the music industry right. looked like. So they were just willing to sign whatever to get the contract. Exactly. They hired lawyers who found that the contracts were, quote, one of the worst in, the, in music history. So what Lou had done, he had made himself an extra member in both groups, meaning that he would get one sixth of whatever the band made. And everything that Lou gifted to the bands, so like expensive dinners, the house that they were living in, all the toys, they were paying for those. He was presenting it as, I'm going to do these things for you. But in all reality, he was taking that money from the what they were making, forcing them to live in these houses for like telling them, I'm taking you out to dinner. But in all reality, they're paying for they it the entire time. They were taking out to dinner. Exactly. Exactly. And you know they were like expensive dinners too. They weren't just going to the Chuck E. Cheese. And um even though they did get those coupons. He did they did get those coupons <laughs> and the foot rub. So he was duping the bands and he felt like he was entitled to ninety percent of what the bands were making because he created them and without them without him, those bands would be nothing. So like kind of, but also like you're you're like bending children over the barrel here and like mm -hmm. really just reaming them for all of their money. So like, yes, does he deserve a good amount of money for getting them to that place? Absolutely. Yes. But the bands actually doing the work and producing exactly. the art should also get a fair share. $10,000 is insane. I mean, I don't know if you talk about this at some point and if so, I can cut it out and we can put it in later. But in like one of the, th little short things I watched the band had made $10 million and he had allocated $300,000 for them to split between themselves. That's ridiculous. I didn't, I didn't get those numbers. Yeah. So he, out of the $10 million that they made, they only got 300,000 to split between five of them. So not, they didn't even get a hundred thousand dollars each. No, it's insane. They got less than that after making 10 million. They should have each made like, you know, at least probably like 1.2 million. And, you each, know, obviously yeah. the producer is going to make a bit of that. Oh and he, yeah. And he could have made like 2 million as well, like even more than each one of them individually, but they do deserve a cut. 
Yeah. And Lance Bass says that when all of these proceedings were going on, he went from this jovial, fun guy, like you're one of my family members, to I don't give a fuck about you. Those were Lance Bass's words. And so the bands, both NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, decide to file lawsuits. And everybody thought that it was going to be the end of the groups. And they had lawyers look over the contracts. And for NSYNC, the only way for the boy bands to get out of their contracts with Perlman was if Transcontinental Enterprises, which was the name of... Mm -hmm. It was his, his conglomerate company yeah. that did like a bunch yeah. of things. Um, is if Transcontinental Enterprises didn't sign them to an American label in a certain amount of time, then they could get out of the contract. Luckily, they had signed with a German label. So this was like their little nugget of hope. They were able to get out of it. And when they brought this up, Lou sued them. And uh, it ended up being a $150 million lawsuit. And yeah. He sued them for the rights to own the name. Yeah. He said yeah. that he owned InSync as a brand. Like he had come up with the name and he owned the name. That's what he, yeah. yeah that's so, what he said. So they couldn't be in sync anymore. Yeah. And the they'd boys. They'd be out of sync. They'd be out of sync. The boys could lose everything. They had worked so hard for so little money and it could just all go away. And uh, while these court proceedings were going on, dedicated fans, they would form prayer circles outside of the courthouse and pray. And you know what? Their prayers were answered because the judge let InSync out of the contract. Woo! Don't we have a cheer? Uh, um, um, uh, I don't know which one it is. I'm panicked. I did it. InSync is out of the contract. <laughs> Thank God. It went a little bit differently for the Backstreet Boys. Um, they filed a lawsuit. What they ended up doing was just cutting Lou a check, and then they were be able to be free of them. And so then after they broke free of Perlman, NSYNC came out with the album No Strings Attached. Marionettes. Bye, bye, bye. Um, it, was, it was basically the whole album was about Perlman. And what he had done to the band. And this actually catapulted the band. Yeah, see, that is the first CD I remember them having when that was, like, big. Yeah. They, you know, they were big while Perlman was um, in charge of them. But they really exploded afterwards. Yeah. And so Lou created other groups other than NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Um, they had a girl. He had a girl band called Innocence. I've never heard of this band. Nope. Actually, a lot of these I had never. I haven't heard of any of these either. Um, well, except for one. I've I've heard of a couple. There was one called L I didn't list it here, but there was one called LFO, never heard of them. Nope. O Town, never heard of them. Nope. C Note, which was like the Latin boy band, never heard of them. Nope. Take five, I feel like I have heard of. No, it's the candy bar. Oh shit. Take five. Yeah. I almost died <laughs> eating one of those once because it has peanut butter in it. And you forgot. <laughs> uh huh. And Aaron Carter. Aaron See, Carter Aaron was Carter, obviously I've, I know. Yeah, we all he wants candy. He oh. wants take five. I want candy. It was just a cover. But when, you know, he was forming these other bands, Lou started kind of falling behind the times. His boy bands weren't really as popular as they were. And his greed really started taking over. And he ruined record deals for a lot of the bands. Oh, And by the way, every single band that he managed sued him except for one. Yeah. And they all won. None of them lost yeah. the lawsuits. It's crazy. So it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, Lou decided. So he at this point decided to try to blend reality TV and the boy bands. And so like big time rush. Yeah. If you remember that. Yeah. But not big time rush. He would. He didn't do that. No, he didn't do. But big the time. manager in big time rush. It does remind me of Lou Pearlman. 
Maybe it's based off of him. Probably, honestly. Um, so he took advantage of all these young people because, and, and this is just what is so frustrating, you know, and I haven't been in a situation quite like this, but a couple years ago, I was in a situation a little bit similar to this where he just took advantage of these young people at the promise of a career. Mm. And these performers were making as much as they would have been making at Starbucks, but they were working so much harder. And I just think it's, you are such a shitty person. If you take someone's dream and you know that it's like a hard dream and it's something that like very few actually achieve greatness in Mm. and you, you know, promise people things you can't deliver and screw them over it's just, ugh, you're the shitty, like, you are such a shitty type of human for doing that. Yeah, just imagine showing up to an arena and you're, like, one of the biggest musical names ever. Um, everyone goes crazy. You perform your ass off for, like, two and a half hours, choreography, singing, everything. And then, like, you go back to your house and you open up your cupboards and it's just ramen noodles. Like, that's what was going on here. Like, they could, uh, Lance Bass at one point said that he couldn't afford a car. It's ridiculous. Like not even like a beat down car. Like he couldn't afford to get places. And then he gets even shittier. Are we mm. ready for this? Um, warning. The following will contain sexual manipulation of children. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, Lou would really encourage the boys to take off their shirts. Pretty much any chance they could take off their shirts. He was like, ah, you know, take off your shirt. You got to look good. You know, oh, it sells. The girls like it. Blah, 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 blah. But Lou, we're at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> do you want do you want ice cream or not? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so and then he would also like give uh, not just Lance Bass, but Lance Bass is the one who gave an account. But he would give a lot of them weird massages um, he was just massaging their like shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I would just never <sighs> offer anyone a massage. Like I would like, like unless you were like, oh, my shoulders hurt. I'm like, I mean, if you want, but I wouldn't be like, um, eh, not eh, someone. I'm not gonna. I would never make it a habit. No, obviously I had, he I, made it a habit. He would tell the boys that he minored in massage therapy in in college. It's and weird then, anyway. Like, like you have them, a minor in massage all, therapy. I don't think you can minor in massage therapy. Well, I'm a major in business, but I'm minor in massage massage therapy. I don't think that's a thing, Lou. Um, And they were like, well, he minored in it. I guess I'll let him do it. And he would uh, give them massages. And Aaron Carter says that this is not true. And we actually have a clip that we're going to play right now. (laughs) This is so funny. Of Aaron Carter getting really upset about this. My opinion of Lou being a sexual predator is that that is not true. That is so foul. He would come up to you and he'd teach you how to do push-ups. He taught me how to do diamond push-ups so I could build my chest. And he's a pedophile? Shut up. Uh, He contradicts himself in that. Yeah, he's a pedophile. (laughs) Yeah, everything you've described, like, Aaron... That's weird. Yeah, he's like, he taught me how to build my chest muscles. It's like, why would he need to do that? Lou looks like someone who's never well, done a push-up ever, that's too. That's the other thing. Like, Lou is not a little guy. Lou is not a fit man. Like, And also, other, like, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys also talked about this. Like, he would tell them, like, oh, guys, like, drop and give me push-ups. Like, this is how you do a push-up. It's like, why were you listening to him? Why? Because they were, like, 16. I mean, to be fair... I had never had a fit sports coach. 
Okay. Except for like one wrestling coach I had in middle school. Okay. And he was an alcoholic. Oh, nice. He used to wrestle me and he smelled like beer. Oh, that's uh, And he'd call me a pussy while we were wrestling. <laughs> what the fuck? Did he really? Yeah, my mom got him fired. Oh, good. <laughs> so. All right, all right. Your mom <laughs> Your mom doesn't usually win points with me, and I'm glad she got him fired. Yeah. All right, so. that's some points. All right, good job. I don't know her name. Tamara. Good job, Tamara. Yeah. Good job. Um. Anyways, he told the bit, and then this is what is really, really bad. And okay, so then this next portion, we are going to be talking about some sexual assault related things. So please get forward if that bothers you or triggers you. Um. So he told LFO, the one boy band, that there was a big company in Europe that wanted to sign them. And the only catch was that a guy in charge wanted the band members to touch his penis. Like what kind of touch? Uh, it's he important. Said the, he said the tip. Like just like. I don't know. And like checking a, micro, well, so like checking a microphone and an open mic. Like because I would I would do that. You would boink a dick. I would I would I would boop the head of a penis <laughs> to get a, a record label. So if anyone out there is giving those away for just a penis boop. Let me know. Yeah, well, he said so. Lou wasn't very specific because, like, there was there was a part where they were talking about it in the documentary, and um, he was like, "I don't really know what he wants. I don't really know what he wants, but he wants you to touch his penis." And Lou claimed it's how they do business over there, and this is the shittiest fucking part. They call it a European hello. Uh, so he offered to let the boys test it on him. He said so that they could like. I didn't understand that when I first read this outline. Holy shit. Yeah. So he wanted them to, yeah, touch his penis to try it out, make sure that they did it right. And he told them not to tell anyone, which I think every, our entire audience is adults, but it's like, if anybody tells you not to tell anybody about something, like, what the fuck? It's not okay. Yeah. It's, that's not okay. And they're obviously, yeah, they're not doing something like acceptable to you. Right. Saying, I mean, it's not anybody. like it's a surprise party and you're like, hey, don't tell anybody I'm throwing my friend a surprise party. Like, no, no, that's not OK. And this is where like, ah, it just makes my skin crawl. And you can tell that he was lying earlier, which we all knew he was lying about minoring and massage. But mm-hmm. like he told the boys when he's like, I'll like test it out on me. I'll walk you through it. He told them that he minored in psychology in college and that he could mentally coach them through it. But didn't you, didn't you minor in massage therapy? Uh, uh, you can minor in more than one thing. Yeah, I did, I did both. I did both. I, 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 got changed, my, I changed my major both. a lot. It's so shitty. And then this is really gross too. He had a tanning bed in his house and he would film BM members using the tanning beds. He would tape the girls from innocence getting naked and using the tanning beds and then show the footage to the boy bands. Why? Because he was a fucking creep. And I guess so. part of it was also that, and the one girl from Innocence said, she's like, I think it was another way for him to like be cool and like look cool to the boys. <laughs> look, I got girls naked on tape. It's shitty and gross. Mm-hmm. And I hate him. And Aaron Carter also says that that is a lie, that his parents checked the entire, uh, in the entire room for cameras before he used the, um, uh, tanning bed and that there were no cameras so he doesn't believe it and he's a pedophile 
Come on. Come on. <laughs> Stop saying that, you guys. Um, and Lou, I forgot to put this in the outline, but Lou had cameras all over his house. Oof. Like everywhere in his house, there was a camera, which is really fucking weird. And the control room where he could like look at all the security footage was in his bedroom. Mm. Gross. All right. Gross. So in 2002, September of 2002, Lou expanded tri- Transcontinental Enterprises and he bought Options Talent Group. This was after all these boy bands are falling through and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was an internet-based talent company. And they would tell people that if they they would make them famous. And they would tell people that they needed to spend all this money on photographs that needed to be taken. And then nothing would ever be done with it. Nothing would ever happen. Which is, this is, this is actually a very common scam yes, absolutely. In, in the entertainment industry. Oh, yeah. Where an agent will come to you and say, hey... Um, I really see something and they do it a lot with children too. Yes. They're like, Hey, I see something in your kid because the parents usually don't know anything about the business. Right. I see something in your kid. I think they could be a star. All you have to do is pay me a thousand dollars startup to start looking for jobs and we'll do a photo shoot. So they come and they like take some photos of the kid and then get the $10,000, but there's never any intention to get them a job. And no. that just seems like what Lou Pearlman was doing. Yeah. I mean, if anybody listening doesn't, you know, is interested in this sort of industry or your child is interested or your younger sibling and a legitimate agent will never ask you for money up front. Yes, you do have to give them a cut of what you make if they book you the job or depending on what your contractor agreement is. Um, 20% is usually what is typical. So mm-hmm. if you're, um, so yeah. So like if you make, I can't do math. Kashan, if you make a hundred dollars, you have to give them 20 of it. Okay. That was what I was going to say. And then I was like, that doesn't seem right. No, that's 20%. Okay. Perfect. I was right. Um, math. I hate it. So that's what's considered normal. A legitimate agent will never, ever, ever ask you to put money up front. So people were really complaining and the FBI started investigating what was going on. And a member of Otel remembers band meetings with Perlman having to be put on hold so that the FBI could interview him. Hey, guys, I'm going to have to push the Otel meeting back to Thursday. I have an eight hour interview with the FBI on Wednesday. I told them this is not a good uh, this is not a good time for me. But, you know, the FBI. Um, so anyway, keep working on those um, high A's. <laughs> Okay. Your dance moves. Yeah, make sure that... Uh, Do your push-ups. John, spin, okay? And make sure to use the tanning bed. Ugh. Twice. So during this time, a new attorney general came into power, um, and his name was Charlie Crist. And Tr- Crist had ties with Perlman, so he wasn't going to stop Perlman from scamming people. And one woman named Jackie, she was really pushing this investigation she's like this is bullshit he's scamming fat like so many people she ended up getting fired because um she was pushing the investigation so much mm. and charlie christ is now a congressman in the house i'm assuming yeah 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 mm. we love that all this is happening right yeah. well we know that transcontinental enterprises they have investors And they have a lot of investors because from the outside, this looks like a very, very successful business. He started NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, like two of the biggest boy names. And he's got all these blimps. Yeah. And these private jets Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. People were like, hey, where's my money? I haven't been getting any investment checks. Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? And like any good Ponzi scheme, no one got their money. 
And he was using the money from new investors to pay off old investors and also lining his pockets. And so they never had enough money. They never could give the payouts. And if anyone listening now just jumped in and you don't you don't know exactly what a Ponzi scheme entails, uh, I would say go back and listen to Bernie Madoff yeah. uh, from A to Ponzi, uh, episode four, because we, we go into detail about it and how Ponzi schemes originate. Yeah. So we're not going to do that here, but you no, can go back and check that you out. You don't want to listen to all that. Um, and what was crazy was there was no real airline company like he claimed. He would just rent private jets and then let people rent the rented jet. And did you know that he, to make it look like he had a Boeing 747, he took like a model yes, of one yes. and took a picture of it with like a real airport in the background to look like it was in the airport? Yep. Like he basically photoshopped it back before Photoshop was a thing to yeah. make it look like he owned a Boeing 747 okay. that was marketed with their stuff. So that model he used, Alan actually made. Remember Alan, his lifelong friend? Alan made the model? Alan made the model. Oh, and when man. Alan was really upset when he found out that um, Perlman was using the model because he was like, I... I just made that model. I didn't want it to be used for evil. Gosh dang it, Lou. You keep doing this. <laughs> and like anybody who really gets tricked with these sort of schemes, it's a lot of old people who put their money into this business and they didn't get their returns. They lost a lot of money. And, you know, some of this money, like the one person that they interviewed, like her mom died and she got a huge lump sum and they put the lump sum into this oh, man. investment and all that money was gone. Like they were counting on that money to retire with and... It's it's gone. And so he was being investigated by the FBI for bank fraud and investment fraud. So he ends up skipping town. Lou leaves. Yeah, uh, I guess like, I guess eight days after they started the investigation, he fled. Yep. He, he just was left. Gone. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if he was tipped off by um, Chris. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody tipped him off. And um, so he had used the stolen money to fund the boy bands and then used their success to gain more investors. And this woman, okay, this was very dramatic. This is very dramatic. Um, I mean, like, I kind of get what she's saying, but it was like a little much. So this woman, um, she invested money with Lou Perlman. She lost all of her money and she said, she regretted that her husband fought in World War II because people like Perlman can still have freedom. Sorry, I read this earlier. I don't think I understood it. Is she talking about Jewish people? Oh, fuck. No, I don't think that's what she meant. No, what I don't. What did she mean that people like this she, have freedom? Um, She meant like people who scam people and people who How is that related steal? to World War II? Because if he wouldn't have fought in world, if we would have lost World she's War II, talk, no one would no, have She's freedom. talking about him being Jewish. I really don't think she I, is. That, I, that's what it sounds like to me because. That was not the vibe that I got from it because okay. she was like people who cheat people and people who take other people's money. But maybe she's that is about. That is a bad stereotype for Jewish people. So uh, I don't know how loud and proud Lou was about his Judaism. I don't know. All I know is that we talked about his bar mitzvah earlier. So, yeah. Well, anyway, Lou hid his money all over the world and he was bouncing around to all sorts of countries while he was on the run, while they were doing this investigation. Um, they couldn't find him. So he had ended up cheating people over a billion dollars. It's a, this is a billion dollar Ponzi scheme. Yes. And to this day, over three hundred million is still missing. They just don't know where it went. They don't. They can't find it. My God, they can't find it. And after months of trying to find Perlman, he was finally arrested in Bali, Indonesia, when a German couple spotted him and reported it to the authorities. 
which like how random. So he was living at a tourist hotel in Bali and the FBI, this made no sense to me. So the FBI agents, they like go to the hotel where he's at and they're like, ah, it's early. We're going to have breakfast. They're like, we got there early and decided to have breakfast. I was like, you at, what are you talking about? Wouldn't you just go arrest him? But you, they did. You got a plan for that shit. But they're, they didn't. they're like up getting frosted flakes out of the thing. You got to like crank to I will turn it say, to get the frost flakes. And they're just like, hey, wait. Oh, I, oh are you Lou Pearlman? Oh Lou. Yeah, they ended up going to the restaurant and having breakfast. And Lou just happened to be at the hotel restaurant eating breakfast. Oh, man. That is the Lord. That is God. What a coincidence. I'm here to arrest you. Oh, my God. Which oh. I will say. <laughs> As, I bet they had some like really good fruit in Bali, and I would also be very tempted to take a little stop by the Continental Breakfast and <laughs> sample some of the fruit. So Perlman ended up being charged with three accounts of bank, uh, three accounts, three counts total: bank fraud, mail fraud, and wire fraud. Yeah, the big three. The big three. And so five days before his sentencing, so Lou was trying to like tell the judge that he could pay back the money for less time. I'm good for it. And he was like, listen, if you let me have a phone and an internet connection two days a week, I can make another band and promote them and make this money back. And the judge was like, no. A billion. You're going to make a billion dollars. Absolutely not. No, you're not. Absolutely not. So they denied his request on May 21st, 2008. Sharp, who was the judge, sentenced Perlman to 25 years in prison on charges of conspiracy, money laundering and making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding. So he did end up filing for bankruptcy bankruptcy. fraud, just like Lenny Dykstra. Yes, yes. He ended up having to file for bankruptcy. Um, And he was well, really, he was forced into bankruptcy and he hid stuff. Like Lenny Dykstra did. He lied about stuff. So he got in trouble for that because you cannot do that. And so Perlman could reduce his prison time. This was when it was, I was talking about him wanting to, uh, you know, have the phone and trying to pay shit back. He could reduce his prison time by one month for every million dollars he helped a bankruptcy trustee recover. So he also ordered individual investors to be paid before institutions by distributing any eventual assets, which was weird. But Lou did not serve his entire sentence he was supposed to get out in 2029 but instead he died well, um, I, I guess that was fair like they weren't like yeah you know what that's enough get out if he died in prison it's like what are you gonna do stop him for that you haven't finished your sentence yeah come bring him back, back to life come back to us and he wakes up he's like come back why? come back um so he ended up dying in prison on august 19th 2016 from cardiac 20 yeah 2016 from cardiac arrest he had had a slew of heart issues before he went into cardiac if arrest only and he had done some diamond push-ups i know maybe if he would have practiced what he preached and quit eating all those steaks from lorries he would have uh been a little bit healthier but he was i was really surprised by this he was only 62 when he died and he looked like he was 62 forever so i don't know how rough he looked it's when that, he actually died it's that white hair man makes you look old yeah no yeah he did and he be. didn't have a lot of hair so yeah that is the story of Lou Pearlman. The pudgy young blimp lover. <laughs> from Flushing, New York. From Flushing, New York. Who scammed boy bands in all of America. In the world, even. And the, the world. world. And the world. 
So fuck that guy. And okay. Also, I know that we're like done with this, but Alan said that he would call him in prison and he was like convinced he was going to get out of prison. And he said he never really, he doesn't think that Lou really realized like how much trouble he was in because he was be like, well, when I get out, we're going to have a barbecue and you're going to like come to my barbecue and please stop calling me Lou. Okay. Alan, I can't do this Alan anymore. Was like, I think he just needed a friend. So I would talk to him. I'm like, what? Alan's Quit too nice. Quit being a little bitch, Alan's Alan. too nice for this world. He's way too nice. And he's like, okay, just send me the details when it's ready and I'll come to the barbecue. It was so funny. But uh, that barbecue didn't happen because what he died. You, what are you going to serve at the barbecue, Lou? Walrus. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everybody. <laughs> yeah, what? thanks. Yeah, thanks. Um, OMG, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, so much. You guys you guys are the, the, the oh, I think it's just like so cute. I'm gonna go. Oh, wait, wait, wait! I'm gonna give you all a kiss through. Ew, I'm gonna give you all a kiss through your earphones right now. Okay. Ew! <laughs> I my I heard that and my ears feel violated. I didn't like it. I warned you. Now I know how Jesse feels all the time. That's his girlfriend. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I don't do that to her. Oh. No, he doesn't. He doesn't kiss her. No, we actually don't show affection. It's part of our relationship. No, they actually have separate twin beds. Mm-hmm. Well, hers, is, hers is a twin. Mine is a full. That's true. Yeah. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you like today's episode, please go ahead and drop a review. Yes. 80 per, our analytics show that 80 percent of you right now are listening on iTunes and our iTunes ratings is still in the threes. We'd love to see that number bump up. So please, if you like what you hear here. You like what you hear here? What you hear here. They're here, here. homophones. Homophones. Uh, please homophones. drop by and leave us a review. We love a five-star review, but we would also accept an honest review that gives us some criticism that we can actually use to help uh, make the show better. Also, you can follow all of our social media. You can follow us at uh, facebook.com slash white collars, red hands. You can also follow us at Twitter at white collars pod. If you have a recommendation or yes. a request or you want to ask questions or just talk to us, uh, you can go ahead and drop a message to white collars, red hands at gmail.com. You can also follow our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. And, uh, I think that's everything I have, so we'll see you next week on and the season two finale of White, White Collars, Collars, Red, Red Hands. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, that was rough. That was rough.